1: You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast
0: Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome in to another edition of Locked On Kings as we start a new week of our podcast here on the Locked On Network. Follow the entire network if you want to get the latest on each and every one of these playoff series, whether it's. Locked on Thunder, Locked on Rockets, Clippers, Cavs, all the different teams. We have them across the network. So if you want more team-specific, you can do that. Of course, here Locked on Kings, we're covering the playoffs, we're covering the Sacramento Kings, and all things we can get to in the NBA. We do thank you for listening on Boom, on Stitcher, on iTunes, and on Google Play. Today on the podcast, we're going to look at the Kings news that hit on Friday with the new hire in the front office. Part of the new executive front office member, Scott Perry, we'll discuss that coming up. Also, we'll look at uh, the playoffs over the weekend. But I want to start with that Kings news because, and you've heard me do this podcast for enough time, that I like to give my perspective, whatever local perspective we can, and then also the national narrative and what people say about the Sacramento Kings. And as you've heard, I've played a lot of people's interviews and comments and read quotes Most people, by and large, have picked on the Sacramento Kings. It's been an easy target, more than a decade without the playoffs. I get it. They are an easy target. But the news on Friday, for the first time in a while, I felt was received warmly across the NBA and those NBA circles. Just for example, when that news came out on Friday that Scott Perry was going to be brought in in the Kings front office, I just, you know, go onto social media and you see things like ex-player, current agent B.J. Armstrong, excellent hire by the Sacramento Kings Congratulations to their new executive vice president, Scott Perry. All right, that's just one. You know, that's not an end-all, be-all, but you you go around a little bit and you see a little bit more of what people say. Mark Spears, Scott Perry should be a great addition for the Rebuilding Kings in his new role as executive vice president of basketball operations. And that was kind of a common thread that Adrian Wojnarowski uh, was one of the first to report it. He thought very highly of it. I know Sam Amick, who you're going to hear from in just a moment, thought highly of it. Aileen Voisson, Vlad hiring of Scott Perry, former Orlando Magic Executive VP of Basketball Ops, adds experience, connections, depth, strong move for the Kings. So things like that are being heard locally, nationally, and again, uh, Scott Perry has a great reputation across the league. So my only concern when I first heard about it was, was this a Vivek move going above Vlade because we had heard about Sam Hinkie, And I don't know where – I mean, you heard my thought on that. I said, okay, I'm okay with thinking about adding more people to the front office. I think that could be healthy. But if it's your owner doing it, I don't think that's healthy. If it's Vlade behind it, I felt differently about it. And by all the sources I checked in on, Vlade does have a relationship with Scott Perry. This is coming from Vlade. Now, that's according to multiple people I checked with. That feels like there's more harmony. That adds another strong voice and NBA experience person to the room to go with Ken Catanella, Mike Bratz, Vlade, Peja, all the different people they have in that front office now. And that's good. And I think you think about 17 years as an NBA executive for Scott Perry, whether it was with Detroit helping to craft their championship team. He also was with uh, the Seattle Sonics slash Oklahoma City Thunder, learned under Sam Presti. He was just in Orlando, and that's why he became available when Hannigan got fired. Perry got the boot, too, and that's a team that has kind of gone through a lot of different things over the last couple of years. So just another person that could be around that has the connections, I think is important, and kind of leading to that on our radio show, The Lowdown, Monday through Friday on Sports 1140 KHDK. Normally it's Damien, Ken, and myself. Ken was off last week, so Damien and I on Friday – had a chance to talk to USA Today's Sam Amick, and it starts here with Damian's question to Sam. We we are surprisingly leading with uh, news about the Sacramento Kings and their front office, and it appears for the first time we're not talking about dysfunctional news.
0: No, I, I like what they did. You know, Scott Perry, for anybody who doesn't know or is not on Twitter where there's a lot of information about him today, uh, you know, he was last with Orlando last five years. Assistant GM with the Magic. To be fair, because I think most fans, their immediate reaction would be, "Well, they were terrible. So why is that a good thing?" Um, Rob Hennigan was the GM, and Scott was the assistant. And as is the case in a lot of front offices, you know, I don't think there was a, a ton of synergy there. And I think that people around the NBA know that you know Scott, he's been doing this a long time. He was with the Pistons during their 2004 championship time. Uh, you know, six trips to the conference finals, worked with Joe Dumars and then Seattle too. So a lot of experience, which as you guys know has been a major criticism of this front office.
2: Yeah, so it seems like they get a guy that has great experience same as you mentioned. Uh, also connections with uh, Sam Presti, OKC and the, and the Sonics. Um, is there any relation to this in Vlade's relationship with him, I guess, Sam, when Cousins and the Magic, that potential rumor that was out there Did did vlade kind of poke around and deal with him in in any regards when they were looking at maybe even moving demarcus to orlando
0: yeah i think certainly there were discussions i mean rob was handling you know again rob Hannigan, the the recently fired magic tm was the point person you know because he was the gm but but scott was certainly involved and you know i had reported a couple of weeks ago that scott if it was up to him at that time the Cousins trade probably would've happened with Orlando. Um, you know, he I think it's you know, fair to say and safe to say that in terms of the way he sees the league, especially in a small market, um, uh, there's only so many supremely talented players that you can get your hands on. And and I know that's kind of a convoluted discussion to have because I you know, hypothetically you'd be sitting there looking at it saying, you know, well, he thought that he could have fixed the Marcus or at least made it work. You know, and, and obviously that didn't happen in Sacramento, but now, that's the way he saw that situation. Um, I also think that through that experience, there was some dealings with Vivek where obviously Vivek had a, you know, a comfort level that led to this hiring.
2: Sam, are we finally talking about a stable Sacramento Kings front office? Yeah, I think it's
0: good. I mean, one, you know, one distinction that I didn't know what to make right away, but has since been made clear to me is just that it was fair to immediately wonder, okay, what does this mean? for Ken Catanella, you know, who had come to town from Detroit, you know, very good cap guy and a guy with uh, a good amount of experience in his own right. And you know, the sense I'm getting is that Ken is fine, that they are, you know, he's part of this team as well. Work uh, work collaborating with Scott and, and with Luke Bourne, who they just hired as you know VP of analytics and strategy. So it seems like you're going to have a team effort right below Vlade with Vlade still on top. And obviously everybody uh, kind of hoping that Vivek empowers his people and and uh, and kind of gets out of the way.
2: Yeah, and I think the one more thing on this, for me at least, is that, to me, it, everybody is kind of raved about Scott Perry. I know you have too as well, Sam. And the fact that he is interested in coming to Sacramento, I think says a little bit about what maybe the perception now is of that front office.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think, um, you know, that he's a guy with a lot of respect around the league. He's a guy that I ran into a, a funny, just anecdotally, this will tell you a little bit about, kind of the way he's wired and, and I think partly what they were missing in that front office relationships, not only with agents all around the league, which matter a lot, um, but with players, I mean, he was at the Warriors game a couple of weeks ago. And I happened to notice that Draymond green just completely stopped his pregame routine and, and came over to say hello to Scott, you know, a lot of love between those guys. And I, and I found it interesting. And I had actually asked Scott about it at the time. And Draymond, apparently, in his younger years growing up in Michigan, and he was very tight and still is with Joe Dumars. And so Scott knew him through that. And Draymond would come to the Pistons' offices, you know, even before uh, he was at Michigan State. And I've seen a lot of that with him just being around the league. You know, he had ties to DeMarcus and his people that had a lot to do with his level of confidence that if they had traded for him in Orlando that he could help make it work. And, And that's a good sign. I mean, that's what you need in this league you know, I love the analytics movement. I'm on board with a lot of this stuff, but I do think in today's NBA that there's, you know, that pendulum has swung too far in the other direction. Sometimes where the valuing relationships is getting overlooked. And a lot of times guys are getting hired who don't have the types of relationships and comfort level with people around the league to, to put your team in a good spot and to get good deals done.
2: And again, I think hearing from Sam, you get reiterated that positive feeling. now, this, Sam didn't have to say that. All these other people didn't have to say that. If anything, people have been piling on the Kings. So for once, it feels like a positive story regarding the Sacramento Kings. And I've been talking about this momentum slowly building for the Sacramento Kings since the trade, really for the last couple of off seasons, though. I think the Kings have added quality people to their front office, quality people to their locker room, a good coaching staff. And it's just going slowly, but piece by piece by piece. More positive moves. All those times I, t- I say, get it right. Well, I think the Kings are making more of the right moves than moves. You go, what are they doing? Now, sometimes the still what are you doing pops up, but I think more times than not, the positive moves have happened. Hey, I want to tell you about these playoffs too. We got to get to that in a moment, but one great way to get to the playoffs is with SeatGeek. It's the smartest, easiest way for you to find tickets to those games that you want to go. Even the Andersons use SeatGeek. I'm sure it's the easiest way to see games up close and in person. There's nothing like being at the game for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get those guaranteed seats that you want for great value. The SeatGeek app is the easiest way to shop for tickets. You can literally be on your phone and anywhere, and those few taps on the phone and the tickets you want, the ones you desire, they're right there. You will have them. With SeatGeek, you get the best deals because they've already compared the prices, and they grade every ticket, so you don't have to worry about that. No stress for you at all. Best deals that will fit inside your budget. Plus, every ticket that you buy will be backed by their 100% guarantee. I know that can be a little bit stressful for you, but they got you covered. 100% guarantee, so you'll shop with confidence and know that you're going to the game with the best tickets inside your budget, all worries, and you'll just have nothing but fun. All worries are gone, right? So just nothing but fun at that point. Best of all, you diehards of this podcast, I thank you for your support. You listeners will get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the setting tab and click add a promo code, enter Kings. that's LOKINGS, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made that first ticket request. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L O Kings. All right, now let's get to the playoffs though. And one other statement I made this over the weekend on Twitter and on social media and I've said this before on the radio. It it just it, I got reminded about it as the playoffs have continued. My stance is and people make predictions, I did too on each series. Here's how the playoffs work. Almost almost to a T. Start with the best team, followed closely with the healthiest team. And if we can merge that together, the best healthiest team usually wins. Whether that's a series whether that's the championship. And you can look throughout history of how things changed over time when a really good team lost one player, lost two players, a key player, a rotation player, a starter. It changed the dynamic of a series. You can go back to the 80s when the Lakers were going for a three-peat and well on their way. They swept through everybody and then they got to the finals getting ready for Detroit and Magic and Byron Scott got hurt. They were competitive in every game but got swept. After sweeping everybody in the West, they got swept in the finals. It's happened many times It's the best, healthiest team. I'll even give a Kings example. Back in 2002, it's still underplayed in my mind. Obviously, the Lakers won. They did get that series in seven. Peja was hurt. Peja's a key part of the Sacramento Kings. Now, Hedo played great during the series, but Peja didn't come back until the back end of that series. That is a factor. And then you go in recent memory, and let's just go to the playoffs this year. Look at teams and how series change. Chicago, obviously, they're not the best team. They have a matchup situation where it was working well against the Celtics, but they were healthy until the injury to Rondo changed the dynamics. You look at other teams like Portland. They're probably overmatched against Golden State, but Nurkic had been hurt for the first couple of games. Tony Allen and Parsons are out for Memphis. You look at now what happened to the Clippers a year ago in which they were in that series with Portland, looking pretty good, and then Paul and Griffin, game changer. Those guys get hurt. Now Blake Griffin is hurt. It's going to be tough for the Los Angeles Clippers. And then the Warriors, what they're doing right now is pretty amazing without Durant, Livingston, Barnes, but it's just such a mismatch at the beginning. Now, long-term, can they do it? I wouldn't think so. Just look at history. So the best, healthiest teams, and if you look at the weekend, kind of recapping the weekend action, Saturday's games, I looked at the desperate teams. Toronto desperately needed a win, embarrassed in Game 3. Did it. Ugly. Found a way. But now they've got home court advantage back, even in that series at two games apiece. Atlanta, certainly desperate. Played great in the first two games, but didn't have a win, so they had to win coming home. They were desperate. They played like it. They beat Washington, so that series is 2-1. Atlanta, still uh, trailing in that series. Then you look at another desperate team on the Saturday night game. The Blazers, absolutely desperate. Had to win to try to find their way back in the series. Played great. Had a 17-point lead. Not strong enough. Couldn't hold on. Warriors win. That one was was a crusher for... Uh, Portland. But more on that game and specifically the head coach, Steve Kerr, who did not coach in the game and talked about his future coaching this team in the playoffs. It's
1: not really um, the coaching that's hurting me per se. I mean, it's just um, the discomfort. Just, you know, as I said, the symptoms uh, for whatever reason um, took a, a turn for the worst maybe five days ago. Um You know, I was able to manage, you know, the pain and the discomfort over the last year and a half and suddenly things got a lot worse and I don't know why I'm trying to figure out why. I will say this this is not going to be a case where I'm coaching one night not coaching the next Um, I'm not going to do that to our to our team our staff we're hoping that over the you know the next uh, next week or two whatever it is um, you know I can sort of make a definitive realization or deduction or or just feel it that you know I'm going to do this or I'm not.
2: We always say it backs are nothing to mess around with and his uh, this is from surgery from a couple of years ago fluids giving him headaches and nausea and discomfort and you just feel for him because it's not that it's um you know taxing on that like he an, an to to move around on the sidelines is just total discomfort and he sounds miserable he's not happy but he's so sound with his decision making and I think they're going to get to one pretty quickly and if he deems that he's not going to be able to function properly and doesn't want to go in and out of the lineup, he's going to say, you know what, I'm shutting it down for the playoffs, which I commend him for that if he elects to go that route or if he can continue to coach. He just doesn't want to juggle in and out. And just based on that, this is a 100% guess on my part, I'm going to be more surprised if he coaches this team than not. I, I I know the back is bothering him. This flared up out of nowhere. And I don't know that it's just something that's going to go away. I hope it does for him. I hope there's a speedy recovery and he's back coaching. But if not, Mike Brown be ready to try to coach this team and then earlier Saturday the game of the playoffs without a doubt so far San Antonio and Memphis Memphis kind of got that feel good win the desperate team we talked about rallying for their coach in game three game four it was on and it was a thriller
1: Randolph gets the ball from the official gives for Conley six seconds five seconds gives for Gasol four seconds Gasol working on Aldridge running double clutch shot it's good big spring! seven tenths of a second left Aldridge from the baseline, inbounds, green, three-quarter court, no good, zeros on the clock, streamers from the Raptors. the Grizzlies take it, 110-108 in overtime.
2: Well, Gasol hit the game winner, Memphis evens up that series, such high-level basketball played by Kawhi Leonard, Mike Conley and company, all of a sudden this series has turned into very entertaining. Games three and four, rallying in Memphis. Still feel good if you're the Spurs, but, boy, Memphis is feisty, and they're fighting, and they got a little momentum, so game five becomes critical later in the week. All right, let's go to the Sunday action then from around the playoffs, and uh, the Cavs did it. They end up defeating Indiana in four games, a very competitive sweep. I mean, all those games were close. Indiana could have had a couple wins in the series, but they didn't. Paul George got the last shot that he so desired, Didn't do a very good job with it on this time, but Indiana could look different next year. Good win for the Cavs because they get a week off at least, and uh, that's an aging team that will take it. LeBron played a ton of minutes and played at an incredibly high level. Next up was Houston and OKC. Had a good series going. It's 2-1 going into the game with Houston still leading. OKC desperately needed the game. They were feeling pretty good. They went to Hacker Roberson. That kind of changed the game a little bit too for the complexion of it, but OKC falls at home, so the Rockets now take a 3-1 series lead. Maybe the story of the game was post-game, an interesting interaction with the reporter and was intended for Steven Adams, but Russell Westbrook jumped in.
1: Steven, second time in three games, uh, you guys really struggled when Russell went to the bench. You were out there for part of that. What goes on when he goes to the bench? Why is Houston so successful? And, and do you sense that that they sort of get an energy boost just from him going out of the game? Hold on, Stephen. I don't want nobody to try to split us up. We all one team. Regardless, if I go to the bench, if Stevens on the floor, if I'm off the floor, we in this together. Don't split us up. Don't try to split us up. Don't try to make us go against each other. Try to make against Russell and the rest of the guys. Russell against Houston. I don't. Want, I don't want to hear that. We in this together. We playing as a team, and that's all that matters. That's it. Yeah, Russell. I'm not trying to split you up, but twice in three games. You guys have not played well at all when you've gone to the bench. That's fine, we, and say, I'm just say, trying to figure out what's going say Russell, on. Russell, you ain't played well at all. Say Russell and the team haven't played well. Don't say when Russell goes out, uh, the team don't play well. It don't matter. We in this together. That may that may be, Russell. But I asked Stephen a question, cool. and uh, it's is not a legitimate you. Next question. It's a legitimate question. Next question.
2: Now I'm kind of mixed on this one. I've seen some people say, "Good for Russ." Bad question. Trying. I don't think the reporter's intention at all was to split up the team. Just asking. Stephen Adams' opinion of why the team has struggled when Russell Westbrook went to the bench. And I think it's so important to look at the difference. I know everyone says that Houston has more to play with than Russell Westbrook does. You know why? Because we get a chance to see it. I don't know what Stephen Adams can do when given an opportunity. He was pretty good in the playoffs a year ago around Durant and around Westbrook. Oladipo has been a good player in this league in the early part of his career here comes Nene, that was the best player for the Rockets why because they let him do it they gave him an opportunity James Harden was not good on Sunday but he allows other people at times to play their game to fill their role I say LeBron makes more out of everyone on that roster he could take over that game he could shoot 35 to 40 times he knows it's not their best so I think it was a fair question I also get what Russell's approach is here he's that's commendable to say we're a team, and sure. I mean, I, I don't know that any of his teammates will be mad at that. I personally wanted to hear Stephen Adams ask it, or, or Porter did too. I don't know that anyone's at fault here, but I don't know that I'm praising Westbrook for that. I thought it was fine, but I don't know that I'm going to praise him for that. Uh, then you have the Celtics uh, taking advantage of their opportunity. They needed an injury, a break. Literally, they got one. Rondo's injury. They were outmatched. They were, but now they've got a new opportunity, and to their credit, they've taken the most of it. They've got that, even, that series even, and they now look like they're the one seed compared to the eight seed and uh, Chicago can change it quickly with a win but it sure doesn't look like they've got the answer at this point and then the Jazz and the Clippers continue to play entertaining basketball but go back to my early theme best healthiest team I don't think there's a much of a margin of error between these two teams Blazer excuse me Clippers have a little more playoff experience and probably have the best player on the floor but now that Gobert is back that changes the injury dynamic I know uh, Hayward was ill in game four, but then you take the effect that well, Rivers has been out, though he's coming back for game five, and now Blake Griffin being out. That's a big, big injury. So look for the Jazz to get momentum back in that series. So it's been fun. The playoffs have been a great journey so far, and we'll continue to monitor them as we continue here on Locked on Kings. Thank you so much for listening. Back again tomorrow for another edition of Locked on Kings.
0: And the sunlight
2: hurts my eyes
0: you are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
2: every day.
0: Just one look at you, and I know it's gonna